G'day, it's Phil here. I love talking to people who really know how to teach. Maybe that's because one day I'll learn how to teach properly. Ha'an Fong is one of the best teachers in the world. She was named in the top 10 for the Global Teacher Prize in 2020 in partnership with UNESCO. She teaches at Huang Khan High School in Pho Tha province in Vietnam. I really want to get to know her. I really want to get to know her story. I can't wait. I'm really excited. So let's go. Before we start our conversation with today's Game Changers guest, Phil, can you share with our audience a little insight into our series premium sponsor? Thanks, Adriano. Of course. We are delighted to be partnering with the team at Open Parachute. If you want to teach mental health to your students, but you don't have time to become an expert, Open Parachute can help. Learn more at openparachute.com.au. Hello, Miss Ha. How are you today? A bit under the weather today. That is because yesterday I had it to portal night tar because of my baby boy. So I'm a little bit under the weather today. Uh, look, I suspect that even under the weather, you'll still be able to uh, talk the side off a truck. I think you'll be just fine. You've been named as one of the best teachers in the world. You do work in your home country of Vietnam. I'm fascinated by your story. You know, as a history teacher, I'm always interested in the yesterday, today and tomorrow and the way that we connect people to each other. So why don't we start and tell me a little bit about your story? As a young ethnic minority high school English language teacher living in a mountainous and remote area of Vietnam, I always uh, seek out new opportunities to challenge myself to gain knowledge from global teachers to help my beloved students access to the world. I was born in a very poor village located in remote area in the north of Vietnam where most of the people are poor ethnic minority farmers. Many students cannot have good education because of economic and geographical reasons. When I was eight years old, there was no TV in my hometown, but only one TV possessed by the people committee. One day, my mom took me and my cousins to the commune hall to watch a Vietnamese movie named The Mountainous School. And uh, the movie is about a primary teacher uh, who really goes beyond the role of a teacher. And this movie really sparked in me an interest that I really want to become a teacher. That is because I understand the difficulties of poorly educated people, especially women, who easily become the victims of many social evils or evil customs. From that moment, I've recognized education as like the most powerful weapon for changing the world. So I really want to become a teacher to change my life and the future of the kids in my village. So, so you were eight years old at the time when you went when you saw that movie and you decided that that's what you wanted to be. Yeah, that's that's tremendous to get that sort of sense of purpose so young in your in in life. Tell me a little bit about your family, where you came from, and tell me a little bit more about the village. I was born in a family with the two daughters. My mom is a nurse at a medical station, and my dad is a farmer. And my family is not better off uh, family to compare to other families. 
That is because we live in the mountainous area. But one special thing about my family, about my house, that my house is located, which is opposite to a primary school. And around me, there are a lot of teachers and students. So when I was a little kid, I had more opportunity to uh, meet with the different teachers. And uh, I've recognized education is very important. So this really one of the very important factor leading to my teaching career today. So you grew up in the stimulus of a village surrounded by a school. Tell us about your own time at school. Were you a good student when you were in school? Well, I was kind of very hardworking student who always loved learning and researching. And I spent most of my free time on reading books. I was kind of very serious student, uh, you know, no boyfriend, just close friend. Okay. And what sort of books did you like to read? Yeah, mostly English language book. That is because I was born in a very poor village where the English material were not available. It is very difficult for us to find kind of foreign language material. And I just want to read the newspapers, magazines related to the different aspects of life, but in English written language. So you developed a real love for English early on. Why did you think that learning English in particular was so important? I love English, not because it's language itself, but the, I love the culture. Because I understand English is an international language that is spoken around the world. And every time I watch uh, the movie uh, in English, I understand more about the different cultures. And we can divide into two different cultures, like English, speaking culture and a non-native English-speaking culture. And uh, I love their independent uh, lifestyle of the people and the movies I have watched and I don't understand why so far. I think I'm kind of intrinsic, motivated learner. Oh, that's very clear from your history, isn't it? It's, you found your sense of purpose. You found the thing that you loved and away you went. You just studied hard and you, you did the sorts of things that you want. Do you think it's important for a teacher to be able to model those sorts of things for their students? Yeah, it's very important. A teacher should be a very good example that can help her students a lot. Sometimes I often tell my story um, that my students can understand more about the way I assess to the English. And they well understand that in the past, learning English was not easy as they are learning now. And uh, they should feel like uh, very grateful for today. That is because they can access to the technology easily. They can learn with the borderless classroom model, uh, the different global connection lessons, and uh, from YouTube, uh, from smartphone, a lot of things to study. Yeah, it's very important. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you about your borderless classroom and the way that you do it. Perhaps in the second or third episode of this series, it would be great to explore that borderless model a little bit. At the beginning of the conversation, you, you talked about the movie that you saw and you saw a teacher going beyond the role of a teacher. 
What does it mean to go beyond the role of a teacher? Well, so traditionally, many people think a teacher is the kind of person just uh, bring the knowledge to students. But the movie I told you before, um, the teacher was not simply a teacher, that she went to the different students' house, which is located in very dangerous uh, path to persuade students to go to school, to study. And uh, she was also the kind of person helping the local people to know how to farm better, how to do farming better, a lot of things beyond the role of a teacher. And today, I still learn a lot of characteristics, the good characteristics of the teacher and the movie I have seen before, that I understand being a teacher is not simply being a teacher, that a good teacher should go beyond the role of a teacher. Yes, sometimes, um, Fong, I think that we teach who we are as much as we teach what we know. And in fact, when we teach who we are, it's more important than what we know because what we know today as you said earlier they can they can find out those things from smartphones and from books and so on but to learn how to apply what you know in the world you have to show what it means to take that step forward and 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 to live a life i'm very interested in a girl who comes from a remote mountain village and and you now work in a remote mountain community why is it important, do you think, for you to learn from your past and then to go back and recreate your past almost in, in your adult life? Why, why, why does that happen? Yeah, so many people ask me the same question. Why I should not stay at the big city to earn more money? Why I uh, had to go back to my hometown? That's for me. Going back to my hometown is an opportunity, it's not a challenge. And every people have a different uh, criteria to identify his or her happiness index. And for me, being uh, a teacher in my hometown where I can teach and help the kids in the village is my joyfulness. And uh, I love it. And actually, honestly, I do not think much about it. Again, if, if we teach who we are, then the legacy that we pass on is, is what we give back. So I, I really love that idea of going back to your own hometown. Uh, and I started my own teaching career, teaching at the school that I went to as a student uh, many, many years ago, because I'm much older than you are. Um, it was a tremendous privilege for me to be able to give back to a place that did so much for me. And if there's anybody out there listening from Cranbrook School in Bellevue Hill in Sydney, Essequan Videri, you, you'll know what that means. Um, Fuang, so you were a really good student at school and you were dedicated, you loved English language, um, no boyfriends, just good friends. So tell us more about your time at high school and then perhaps go on and, and tell us a little bit about your time at university. I was a high school student at a broadening ethnic minority in my province where the different ethnic minority students gathering. And this time uh, is a really great time for me because I have learned a lot of things. Tell me about the type of people you're at school with because it was a boarding school for ethnic 
minorities. So how many different types of um, backgrounds were there in the school? So I was a high school student at a voting ethnic minority school in my province where the different ethnic minority students gathering and uh, it is very special school supported by the government. This school for me, uh, like the best friend, that is because I had learned a lot of things and skills in my life because we did not live with my parents at home and we studied at a boarding school which is um, very far from my house now, just about uh, 80 kilometer from my house mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that school now. And um, what were the things that you learned? You said you learned some valuable things. What were the important lessons you learned by living in boarding school? A lot of things like um, how to manage ourselves independently, uh, financial management, uh, team working skills communication skills, um, and farming skills at the same time. Let's pause for a moment to remind our listeners about the important work of Open Parachute for Wellness in Schools. You know your students are struggling with their mental health, but you're not a trained therapist. Open Parachute can help you. Learn more at openparachute.com.au. So, Fong, you and I share something then because I went to boarding school as well too. Um, One of the things I found interesting about boarding school was that there were lots of different kids who came from very different families to mine, from different backgrounds. You said that it was a school for ethnic minorities. Tell me about the types of families and the types of students who went to your school. You know, the boarding school is a kind of government school that support for the ethnic minority. In Vietnam, there are about 54 different ethnic minorities uh, people and uh, in my school there were about uh, 20 different ethnic minorities peoples. So it's not just kids from different families coming together it's it's kids from whole different cultures coming together and mixing together and and Um, learning to live together. How did you all learn to get on with each other? How, How did you learn to live with each other? Well you know to get on well with different students from the different uh, families with the different cultural backgrounds is not easy thing. So my mom taught me a lot of skills to live with other kids. And I was very gentle that time. Yeah, at first I tried to understand uh, their characteristics and their a cultural aspects as well so that is a good way for me to prevent the culture shocks because the different ethnic minorities cultural have the different uh, cultural identity so I always respect uh, my friends um, cultural belief and uh, some kind of uh, habits and um, we should sympathize and uh, talk more to each other, and then I get on well with them. So far, I think I was very gentle, very good uh, friend. That is the reason why I can get on well with a lot of friends, especially when I go to the different uh, places with the different people in the boarding uh, university as well. 
And and how do you think that's helped you as a teacher today? Well, this is a very good question. You know, in the class, we have a different uh, students from different family. But luckily, um, in my area, the students come from the same uh, kind of cultural aspects. So it helped me a lot. And uh, I get a lot of skills uh, to deal with the different people. That is because I used to be an ethnic minority student. So I understand um, the difficulties of an ethnic minority when studying. So at least I can easily sympathize to a student at my school because my school is now located uh, in the same situation and uh, area. So you say that you, you, you yourself came from an ethnic minority. Tell me about your ethnic background then. Tell me about your people. In the 54 ethnic communities of Vietnamese people, the Mương ethnic group ranked the fourth among the largest ethnic in Vietnam. Uh, the Mương people have very close relations with the king and residing in the northern provinces. The highest density is in the Hoa Binh province and some mountainous districts of the Thanh Hoa province and Phu Tho, my area. And the cultural identity of the Mương ethnic cultures associated with the Hoa Binh culture more than a thousand years ago. And the Mương have the same origins as Kinh, the Vietnamese people now. Therefore, their language is in the Mương Vietnamese group. And there are some words um, of Mương language pronounced the same as uh, Vietnamese language. And, um, you know, the Mương residents primarily grow white rice, and some of them also can grow corn, cassava, and breeding is attacked, special importance to development. And the main livestock is casual and porches. And the significant economic resources of the Mương family are exploiting products of forest, including mushroom. Yet, you know, every ethnic minority in Vietnam has a different cultural identity and Mương ethnic, my ethnic minority is special that uh, we have uh, our own traditional clothes and traditional food and traditional house. You know, the stilt house is the traditional house of Mương people. In the past, people lived in the stilt house to prevent uh, the dangerous animals. I see, I see. So today, do you feel more Hmong or do you feel more Vietnamese or do you feel both? Yeah, both. It's like that really, isn't it? We talk about the idea of a responsible citizen and as somebody who can balance all the different citizenships that they have, you know, they're, they're a citizen of their family and they're a citizen of the people they come from and then of their region and of their country and, and then of the world as well. Tell me about how you carried your identity forward through your time as a university student. Yeah, like other high school students in Vietnam, I had to take an entrance exam to uh, go to university and uh, I passed Hanoi University, which is one of the top universities in Vietnam. And uh, I chose English as my major. And I studied 
at the English Department of Education. And, um, you know, I spent my time there seven years. That is because I did further my study for master degree in the same university. And mm -hmm. I had a great time in university and after university. And for me, uh, it seemed like uh, one of the most uh, unforgettable time in my life. This was the first time I came to the city. So I was very surprised to see the different peoples from different uh, countries. They come to my school to study because uh, Hanu University is very big university in Vietnam where a lot of different international students come here to study. And uh, a lot of students from the different places in Vietnam uh, to study. And like a melting pot, I, I have learned a lot of things from them. I'm ethnic minority. So at first I was very shy. That is because I came from a province where a lot of ethnic minority people and we uh, did not have more time to understand or to experience the living in the big city. Sure thing, sure thing. But you adjusted to that over time and you came to enjoy living in the city? At first, I was overwhelmed. That was because I could not see the mountain ranges in my hometown, just the high building. And my feeling was really bad. And it's a kind of feeling, unsafe feeling, when I did not see the mountain ranges in my village. Mm. And uh, for me, the mountain ranges is like a fence to save me. And the first feeling when I went to the big city was really bad. And uh, I was very embarrassed, overwhelmed. Uh, that is because I could not see uh, the things save me, surround me. It's a very special feeling. However, seven years in universities has made my mind change a lot. Living in the city is amazing. And my first feeling was not there. Living in the big cities has a lot of good opportunities for me and my friends to develop our career. However, I decided to go back to my hometown. That is because the love of my hometown and my family. And uh, at first, when I went back to my hometown, I really missed the big city, the capital city. Yeah, I'm sure you but did. Two months later, I felt like hometown was the best place for me to study and to work. Because I think I have to learn more from the people in my hometown. It's not just teach. And there you go. Do you know, I think that might be a good place for us to pause. Um, uh, I've really enjoyed learning about your early years and the influence of your people and your place on who you are and how that has, you know, that influenced your own education and how you developed your own sense of purpose as a teacher. We're going to come back if we can uh, Ms. Ha, in the second episode of our special series and talk about your journey as a teacher. Can we talk again, Ms. Ha? I'd love to come back and talk again. Fabulous. Okay, listeners, we're going to come back next time. 
on Game Changers Special Series with Ha'an Fuang. Game Changers is a podcast for those who want to change the game of school. Produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and powered by a school for tomorrow, Game Changers is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and SoundCloud. Tell your friends and don't forget to subscribe. Let's go.